I don't ever flag any. I've only flagged for. Oh, hey, we're calling unusual punishment. We're a murdery, weird history podcast that you're gonna like. Mm-hmm. And it's International Men's Day, so so you've got this <laughs> misconnections. Yeah. So if you're new, a new listener, or you don't know who I am. My name's Jody, and that's Tyler. And in my free time since about 2005, I've been making fun of misconnections and writing commentaries on them. And I've never done it much on this show or any of the podcasts, but I've been looking at these for about 15 years, and men generally have never understood the correct way to use misconnections ever. Sure. It's always just been like, I'm hard, come get on it. Uh, here's my address. I'll just put it right in the, the, I'll just put my map and then there'll be like an address in part like, okay. And uh, we're women are just supposed to be like, you know, I am bored today. Yeah. You know, I oh, got to walk address is right here. So that I can. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and even the ones that God are using misconnections the way it's supposed to be used. Like, oh. Tend to fuck that up too, where it'll be like, like, girl at Quick Trip. Yeah. Was it something more? It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. He typed that out and was like, all right, like, she'll know. She'll know. I know. Like, tell me what I was wearing. I'm a girl that goes to Quick Trip. Yeah. Is this me? <laughs> well, it's real. <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating. I actually remember one time. And like 2009 or something like that, writing, I should just, as I'm kind of rambling and trying to pretend like uh, I'm not look, trying to find something, I wrote an article for Volume 1, which is like a local arts and entertainment magazine. Anyway, I wrote an article for Volume 1 a long time ago about how inappropriate... Oh, this article, though, was about this time... Should I read a little of this to you? Okay. Well, God, this is from 2010, so who knows what my writing was like. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to talk. I was trying to sell one of those nostalgic record player, CD player, radio combos, you know, that look like a big wooden box on legs. Um, I was trying to sell it last year right before Christmas. A guy responded to the ad and showed up to get it. Yeah, he mentioned in his email that he was buying this for his brother as a Christmas gift. I knew how I felt about that idea since I had gotten the record player as a Christmas gift myself. And look what I was doing with it. But certainly I wasn't mentioning that. I'm showing this guy how it all works. And then I get to the part where I go to play a record. It wouldn't work. I hadn't even thought of testing this out because pretty much I'd hardly used it. I just assumed that nothing could happen to it while it was living in the basement. Wrong. I made some joke about choosing a record with crappy music on it and said I'd try something a little classier. Yeah, the record player didn't like Mozart either. At this point, I I was pretty sure I was not selling the record player. Wrong again. This guy felt bad for me. He said, that's okay. The other stuff works and my brother won't mind. I'm thinking, who gives someone a record player that doesn't work? Again, I wasn't going to mention that. I did discount the price, but all the same, it was very strange. Then there was a guy who bought one of my board games. The guy was $10 and he gave me $5 tip for delivery, which I think translates to, I really like those knee high boots you're wearing. 
Another lady who wanted to buy my cookbooks is really good friends with the lady who wanted my board game because she's been a sorry I can't make it. And I'm not going to show up and inconvenience you five times now. Okay, anyway. Oh, all right. And so anyway, this was more about selling stuff. But God, all right. I guess that was still pretty funny for nine yeah. years ago. I mean, I can tell you the handful of interactions I had trying to sell those cowboy boots that I'd gotten for you that they're, they're the wrong size. So I was trying to sell them. And a couple of people I met up with, like, it's hard to not make it a weird situation when you have to, like, you're just standing in a parking lot watching a girl, like, try on cowboy boots. Like, it's hard to not look like a creep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll take him. I'll take him back. I'll take him back. Yeah, and then I do one sell for you, and then I sell them right away. And I got more money than you had listed for them. <laughs> I happen to know the person you sold them to, which helps. But, yes, there's a danger in I probably would not buy cowboy boots from somebody on craigslist that or on facebook marketplace excuse me that was a guy like if a guy were selling women's cowboy boots i probably would just not do it you know like it's nothing personal against you because you had these boots that um but anyway so yeah craigslist I have joked before about how it seems like the gay community on Craigslist has forgotten like that casual dangerous encounters. I thought that maybe I mean and even like this the straight ones that are like just looking for a quick hookup is it because of my age that like when I was in high school the fear of god it was the AIDS epidemic was just at a certain point where you were aware that that's something that could happen, that it didn't matter who you were, that you could just roll the dice with somebody and that could occur. And like the don't get pregnant thing was, I was way too terrified to ever have sex in high school. The idea of having sex in high school without being on like five different kinds of birth control was I was just too terrified by it. So these people would just be like, yeah, let's just hook up and fuck quick. It's like, who are these people? Are you just like, Oh, I'll just have a condom. I mean, I felt like, isn't that what people who use Tinder would suggest? It's yeah. Well, and for, some of these people don't like even want to use a condom. Like, <laughs> like, you know, there's, I guess that's called barebacking. Uh, so anyway, all the posts on there always fascinate me, and I have been a Craigslist misconnections a couple of times. One guy in the city's wanted to lick my cowboy boots. Yeah, and then another guy that I went on like ten dates with that literally never kissed me. One date was him pulling his pants leg up and having two Glocks on a leg. harness thing like they were too up to his leg or yeah (laughs) (laughs) like what in the hell so (laughs) 
And I remember seeing uh, a movie and, you know, and so after like literally 10 dates, I was like, well, this person is clearly not interested in me because they have made no move to do anything outside of buying me a movie ticket or whatever. And plus the gun thing and stuff. And so then he posts a misconnection and he's like, he referred to his motorcycle as a scoot. Apparently that's a thing you liked. You liked riding my scoot and I liked having you on it. What happened? And it's like, well, you have my phone number. What happened is you can only take somebody on so many dates without with showing them no interest or giving them zero compliments before you're going to be like, you know, I think I would rather just continue being anorexic by myself versus having to go out into the world with you and just feel like even worse about myself than I did when I was at home alone eating microwave popcorn for every meal. You think he was like... Maybe maybe I need a third gun. I think that's the like. Well, <laughs> see all the guns I had because. I mean, w- wouldn't you find that weird to have somebody pick you up on a motorcycle? Which is probably the only reason I was ever dating them. And like it was, it was right after I I was uh, coming out of a relationship, and I was like, well, you know, it's I should just people had told me, oh, you should just date around. Don't make it serious, whatever, you know. And I think back then it was like match.com or something like that. And so I was like, well, I don't think this person's quite my type, but it would be good for me to just, you know, just be used to dating again. And he pulls up on his motorcycle and he's like, check this out. And he just pulls his pants leg up and there's two glocks on his leg. On the same leg? Yeah. One on each side. Uh, on some sort of big leg strap thing under his pants. I don't know. Point up and showing it to you right away is very funny. <laughs> hey, check this out. Like I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> and the whole time I was just like, oh no. This is just not good and and whatever. I don't even remember that person's name, which really makes me happy. But he posted this misconnection, and I was like... How did you know it was him? Because he talked about riding the motorcycle to the Chalk Fest when it was like... <laughs> in the well, the park down downtown Eau Claire, they had the fountain, Wilson or whatever. He talked about that and like a, a shirt I had with uh james dean on it there was just things that i was like okay somebody that both has a james dean shirt on that uh went to the chalk fest on a motorcycle that you refer to as a scoot in my curly hair it's like brought both guns for the chalk fest <laughs> you know what that crowd's like oh my god <sighs> so anyway um you had a little story to tell me um are you familiar with the Jeremy Renner app? No. Apparently it had a uh, bit of a rise and a fall. Um, back in 2017, 
this app appeared on Google Play. Jeremy Renner official app uh, promising a, quote, deeper look into the, into the life of Mr. Renner. Quote, I'm always looking for new ways to connect directly with my fans all over the world in our own shared environment. Uh, it promised exclusive photographs, music contests. By the way, do you know Jeremy Renner has a band or does music? I didn't get no. into that yet. Live streams and more. So it's essentially like a, a super fan version of like their social media page, you know, where uh, and you can apparently you could spend money on this app. You could just give Jeremy Renner your money to get like Jeremy Renner stars. Yeah, like more, you know, whatever. Uh, so apparently it uh, attracted a pretty sizable following. Uh, <laughs> quote, within the confines of the Jeremy Renner app, it looks like a digital utopia, a cocoon of Renner love and inspirational quotes. His own quotes or? Uh, probably. Uh, but elsewhere on social media, a small but very local but very vocal group of impassioned fans had has posted fierce accusations of censorship and contest rigging. Uh, apparently, the Jeremy Renner's manager was whoever was managing this app was going through to like you don't want bad Renner comments in here. Like if anybody's anti Renner, like we're gonna call them from the Renner Utopia. <clears throat> but anyway, so the downfall of the app came when this. Comedy writer uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Heck, a just, comedy writer, you say? Uh, he described he's a comedy writer in Vancouver. He describes his described his joy in discovering that the app's alerts made it seem as if any user's replies to a comment had come from Mister Renner himself. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works, but he joked about it on Twitter. Twitter and went camping for the weekend, but when he returned. Mr. Heck found an app ruined by its discovery. Quote, dozens of false renters had sprouted up, sowing chaos. Uh, and like <laughs> a week later, the app was killed. <laughs> uh, so they shut the app down, uh, refused to refund any money who had bought their renter stars. Oh, my God. You uh, bought them? In a uh, <sighs> like sign-off message that renter left when, when the app was shutting down. Quote, what was supposed to be a fun place for fans to connect with each other has turned into a place that is everything I detest. <laughs> so just a little peek into the Renniverse. All right. Well, that sounds like you've got quite the crackerjack of a story. So maybe I should go first, huh? Sure. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the Tallman house. Okay. It's in Horicon, Wisconsin. <clears throat> Say that again? Horicon. Okay. And that's a place? Yeah, it's a city. Horicon. It sounds like a convention for... Uh, any for what, of, Tyler? For horror fans, Jody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, in early February of 1987, Alan and Deborah quote, in quotes, Debbie. <laughs> Tallman. It's a little pet name that I call her. It's a little special nickname I made up. Debbie brought home a bunk bed that they purchased at a secondhand shop. Yes, this is okay. Uh, this is not a murder. This is a super. It's supernatural corner. Hey. 
what's going on? I don't know. It feels weird. That's what this is. <laughs> they assembled the bed and stored it in their basement. <laughs> When the Talmans moved the bed upstairs in May of 1987, it marked the beginning of nine months of horror for the family. Was the bed for kids or something? Yeah. Okay. I just, I didn't know if these were like weird, like... Oh, I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Uh, from the moment the bed was first slept in, the house appeared to be haunted by spirits that terrorized first the children... And then the entire family. The children who were rarely sick before suddenly became ill for no apparent reason. The night that the family moved the bed upstairs, their son, in quotes, Danny, was in the room next to it. After his parents said goodnight to him, his clock radio apparently took on a life of its own. It turned itself on and randomly switched the channels under its own power. He reported that he saw the radio's vindicator, which is the thing that, you know, like you'd push, you know, you'd move it with a knob or a dialy thing to make it go to a different station, moving itself. However, it's what I call Rush Limbaugh. The radio's <laughs> vindicator. <laughs> His parents didn't believe him. A few weeks later, Alan was painting the walls in his basement when he went up for lunch. He placed the paintbrush on the table. When he returned, the brush was in the bucket with the bristles sticking up. <laughs> when the youngest daughter was sleeping in the bunk bed, she claimed that she had seen a red-eyed witch behind her door. She also claimed that she saw fire in her room. <laughs> Is this a blog post by Debbie? <laughs> Well, it is a... F well, I'm not going to tell you where I got it from, okay? It's Unsolved Mysteries. This paintbrush? <laughs> huh? So. It's like the most <laughs> oh my God, naive family ever girls gathered around the paint bucket. Like, I don't know. I don't get it either. I don't get it. <laughs> And there's no chance that I, I put this in the wrong way. <laughs> so she saw the fire in her room a month later. Danny saw the same thing. So the family is like, okay, so, so far we've had a clock radio on the fritz. Mm -hmm. We've had a paintbrush the wrong direction. Yeah. We had a couple of small children claim to see red-eyed witches and fire in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's time to bring in the pastor. Uh, yeah. This is again, uh, this again, is out this of control. Is, I, don't, I don't know who is making the official claim that this supernatural presence came with the bunk bed. Because it was like the radio was weird, and then a couple weeks later, the paintbrush was upside down. Like, it seems spaced out enough that, like, they tracked it all the way back, and they're like, you know, I think it was that bed. Well, it was like, when... Uh, none of these things happened before the bed was here. Now we bought this bunk bed. There it is. Oh, there's a photo of it. Uh, it's like a wooden. <clears throat> yeah, it looks like uh, if you made uh, like a little craft bunk bed in shop class and then scaled it up to full size. That's what yeah, it looks, it's pretty it rudimentary. Like. It's like wow, that's what you can buy it. I mean, uh, maybe it was a good price. 
pastor comes in and he says, I feel evil inside this house. Mm -hmm. They continued to be tormented. Doors would bang open and shut. Strange voices would call out of nowhere and ghostly visions persisted. This is the pastor. Yeah, he was just, just there to up. vouch for okay. it. He yeah, was like, no, I wow, feel wow, like. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't sleep here. All right. See you, see you Sunday. A week before Christmas, Danny again saw something horrifying and told his mother that he wanted to leave. Frustrated, Alan told the spirits, get out of this house. He said that if they wanted to fight someone, they could fight him. This reminds me of the guy who was the alien mm, hunter who's like, you don't mess with my son. I'll handle it, you know. So anyway, three weeks later, at around 2 a.m. on January 7th, 1988, Alan comes home from the late shift. Outside the garage, she heard an eerie howling sound and went to investigate. There's a voice that comes out of it that says, come here. He goes around to the back. Is anyone back here? Nope. There's not. He goes to the garage. I love the arrogance of... And you see this in a lot of ghost stories when people <laughs> declare to the ghostly presence, you're not welcome here. Like, that. that's what was keeping... Yeah, well, sometimes that apparently works for people. They just say, I'm not going to bother you. We're going to be fine and cool with each other. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then apparently that, you know, I mean, I can't. This human soul tethered to the earth in death, unable to let go because of some curse or some horrible, like, tortured purgatory they exist in. Like, he needs a stern talking to. And, well, then, he just... and then he'll stop haunting centuries of families. Well, you know. You never you know. Get on now. You get on now. This is our house. Well, like guess shooting a raccoon out of your kitchen or something. Like. <laughs> well, guess what happened? What? So Alan, he's walking around. He comes back to the garage. What happens? The garage is on fire. The garage door was. Um, he goes inside to get a fire extinguisher, but when he comes back out, fire's gone. The garage door was on damage with no visible signs of recent fire. When Alan got back inside, he went to reach his lunch pail that he had set down, but the entity threw it against the room, across the room. So he's like, this is a problem. So I'm going to go start sleeping in my daughter's room to protect her, you know. One night, a fog appeared around him. A voice came out of the fog that said, You're dead. Debbie then called the pastor because of what had happened to Alan. <laughs> a few days later, Alan was working late and asked a relative to watch the girls. His relative was a complete skeptic until that night. The same horrible figure seen, seen by the children appeared, and he let out a loud scream. Debbie then told the relative, Get the kids together, and we're leaving the house forever. Two weeks later, the Talmans had the bunk beds destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, they had no further paranormal experiences. In April of 1988, a family moved into the old house and have had no haunting experiences. Background. The house that they lived in had no history of hauntings. 
Horicon, Wisconsin is a small farming town of just 3,800 people. Well, that's clearly not where you want to do your digging. Where are, where did the bunk bed come from? And well, what, right. What, 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 what double murder happened uh, in that bunk bed? The pastor visits them shortly after the hauntings began and then again later. He believes they were victims of the devil. He was certain that a demonic, de- not, but de- de- demonic presence was in their home. He found no evidence that this was fabricated. So, I feel like there's a demonic presence kind of just existing just right above your heads. And, <laughs> and when he's... Excuse me. Jerking off, you can, you can kind of sense his presence kind of bouncing up and down. And it makes it really hard to get any sleep. Bunk bits are really dangerous. It seems scary that... Yeah, well, that's why the boys sleep both on the bottom one. They're like, We're, I'm not going up there. I've been trying to... I've offered them $100 for one of them to go on the top one. I mean, that's... that's They don't understand the value of, of a dollar yet, where... I mean... They have some understanding that, like, 100 of them is not worth it for them on some weird level to do it. This case was featured as part of a Halloween episode of Unsolved Mysteries on October 22nd, 1988. The Talmans were beset by unwanted attention as a result of earlier ghost hysteria, which they did not seek. They had turned down a lucrative tabloid offer about their experiences. They did not think it right to make money off their children's misfortune. They did agree to share their story with Unsolved Mysteries under three conditions. They were censored during the interview. Their children's names were to be protected by an alias. And that all reenactments of their experiences be done by actors playing the Talman family. The Talman House activity was described in greater extent in the book Haunted America, but at no time in the research did those people link the hauntings to a bunk bed. The activity is instead linked to the property as being located on or near former Native American burial grounds. This is considered one of the most frightening and well-known paranormal cases of the Unsolved Mysteries series. Maybe I... Do I need to respect Unsolved Mysteries less than I do in my memory? I, unless there's something I'm... I mean, this sounds like the sort well, of story that would be the, like, uh, a C-slot story in a, a like, shitty sci-fi uh, ghost show. Because it's all, like, all the things that happen are spooky, but they're all just... There's no... Like, a family could just decide this, or... Like, there's nothing to corroborate. It's not even like, oh, the house is actually, like, it was a serial killer's house where you would have some tie to, like, objectivity outside of yeah. this weird family. I mean. And this is one of the most well-known ones? Like. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a little mini-series on some Wisconsin cases or ties featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Because when I was a kid growing up, that music for unsolved mysteries fucking terrified me and i was i mean what 88 or whatever i was nine nine years old or something like that so anyway let's just say that i was a prime age for this stuff to terrify me but i don't know that i, I this is all very silly this story i mean in a way but if this stuff I don't know what the you know what the vetting process was to be on unsolved mysteries, 
But I could definitely see this case being on there. Excuse me. I don't. Maybe there's some credibility to it. I, that was my little bomb at the end, as I wasn't going to tell you until the very end that that it was on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, I am going to do a whole bunch of these because there is really. Uh, I have found an amazing website full of weird mysteries that are all Wisconsin based. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know what the criteria is for w- what. Uh, ghost stories are worth like publishing in ghost story books but this seems like one that's like yeah the paintbrush upside down and then the kid and you know kids never do this uh claim to see monsters at night and then uh there's no way the brother just told the sister about this monster he saw and then the sister a couple days later was like i saw the monster too it's like my god right this is the most fascinating thing i've ever seen the thing about like uh some of the places we visited in chippewa on our our ghost tour yeah like uh i mean i don't know the credibility of these stories but the fact is like stories where it's like this bar has had reports from dozens of people over the years like it it it's the fact that it's just one family like you thought it was crazy before then dragons came and and then to be like, I don't want to like sell this to a tabloid. This it sounds like a tabloid story that you're telling. Like, no, this is. Uh, please protect my family's names. My son Daniel, can you call him Danny? I don't want people to know who we are. My wife Deborah, please refer to her as Debbie. To protect our identities. Hey, I don't know. See, I don't like these, don't like these Tomans. I bet they're weird people. I. You know, am of the feeling on most things that I can't say for sure they don't exist. Maybe if this is all true, maybe this skeptic sister who comes in at the perfect time in the story to right when you're wondering if this is all bullshit. No, she didn't believe in ghosts. And then she did. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to dissuade you from doing ghost stories because I do find them very interesting. I just think this one is conveniently... uh, uh, you know, compartmentalize into it, yeah. into itself. And oh, then, like, I wanted to hear some about this bed or the priest. Interview this priest. And they be buried like- the bed in the landfill, I guess. Oh well, the next story I'm going to do is about a very it. It was I'm featured on Unsolved Mysteries, but it was not. It's not something like that. It's a very famous kidnapping case from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, from the 80s. So, um, there, there it's not going to be just a bunch of ghost stories. Do you remember the uh, Balloon Boy saga? Yeah. Not maybe not specifically that the day of like uh, terror, you know, but like the fallout that happened after, where like once you see this whole family getting interviewed and you you get the like, there's there's the you know what's literally they're being interviewed about, but then there's a meta thing that starts to develop where you're like. You start to think that, like, I think you can abuse your kids in ways that don't involve hitting them. Like, like you just get the sense this family is is uh, unhealthy in a way that is affecting all of them, and they're all very detached from yeah ever knowing how unhealthy they are. Like, that's the kind of family I picture. Uh, all four of them sincerely believing this ghost story, and then feeding themselves and getting to a place where. This get out of here, ghost. I mean, I think the cutest part of what you just said is like how lucky you are to have been so late in your life when you realize there were other ways to abuse children 
other than hitting them. It's like you really had a good upbringing. <laughs> you didn't have to deal with the mental torture. 